Warning, this podcast contains mature themes from very immature people. I kind of like eased into a crush where (laughs) I was like, oh, this person is coming up on my YouTube a lot. And uh, oh, he's pretty funny. And then it became me seeking out every television appearance he's ever done. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced this, so I'm I'm eager to hear your opinion. But I find there's always a turning point where there's a moment where I think I could meet this person in real life <laughs> and I could have a conversation with them. And, you know, maybe things would turn out in a way that they would be interested in me. I mean, the place the, the places we live are sort of conducive to making you think it's possible. Mm-hmm. Like if you lived in Omaha, you wouldn't be like, what if I walked into this bar and Chris Evans was sitting there, you know, but yeah. being in New York or L.A., you're kind of you see that sort of thing. The first bar I went to in L.A., I ended up playing darts with Jesse McCartney all night. <laughs> and you're just when that's your intro to life in L.A., you're just kind of like. Oh, I guess this is my Hollywood life now. I'm just friends with the stars. It's like it's like my weakest and and also strongest claim to fame is the time Jesse McCartney bought me a vodka soda, you know? <laughs> That's funny. You guys keep in touch or? Oh, yeah. Besties. Oh, OK. There's that point. But also you realize No, I've gone too far. And you realize you can never meet this person. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you can never talk to them. Mm -hmm. And there is no way that you could ever, ever have even a casual friendship with this person. (laughs) (laughs) And I always, always unfailingly cross the line. (laughs) You know that scene in Fleabag? She starts masturbating to a speech of Obama giving a speech. Uh-huh. Last night, I was maybe listening to uh, some radio appearances by a certain person I think you could guess. And I had this thought of like, oh, I'm kind of horny. <laughs> should I? I mean, my vibrators are there. Like, should I? And I ultimately decided, no, I'm not going to do that. Proud of you. Uh, yeah, I, I do have this um, this really funny fantasy where when I get to that point of of being a little too too into a famous person and too like, oh, I think we could be I think we could be fr- we would get along if we met in real life. Yeah. Once I catch myself getting to that point, I like force myself to take a step back. And I'm like, if you ever meet this person, you need to be so fucking nonchalant mm-hmm. that they think you're lying when you say you like their work. (laughs) That's what the fantasy has become. It's just like, if you ever meet Sebastian Stan, you need to be like, oh, uh, oh, right. I am. Yeah, I I like your work in such a nonchalant way that he's like, God, she thinks I'm terrible. And then he's like desperately seeking my approval. I think that will work, right? You want to nag Sebastian Stan. Oh my god, I do want to make Sebastian <laughs> I'm so sorry, honey. I didn't mean it. You're great. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes.
Welcome to Let's Get It On Film, the all things sex in film and TV podcast. We're your hosts, Kate and Lauren. Hi, Kate. Hi, Lauren. Wait, I got a text. What does this mean? Oh, I think it's porn. <laughs> what? Hmm? I got a text that's from an unknown number that says, hey, how you been? We're legal now. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, it's weed. What is it's this weed. Mean? Oh, weed. Oh, weed. Okay. Thank God. Why do I know that um, and you don't know that? I don't know. Well, I guess they're offering me weed. I'll put a pin in that. Think about it oh, later. I got a big old delivery from MedMen yesterday. Nice. And I got this really sweet delivery guy who called and didn't immediately tell me like that he was outside. So he was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, I'm fine. How are you? And he was like, I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, we've set the bar low, people. Sure. Are you outside? Can I come meet you? And then I tipped him. Yeah. And he was like, are you sure? Like, really? And I was like, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do people not tip you? That's not even a big tip. I Is this unkind to say, could he have been stoned and then just overly emotional? I hope not, because he was driving. Okay. Don't, don't, uh, don't get high and drive, people. But maybe he was cute. He was just like, it's such a beautiful day out. The wind is blowing. I was like, yeah, baby. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's a nice day out. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> so I'm very loosey-goosey right now. Uh, what are we doing, Kate? Um, we're recording a podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called Let's Get It On Film. We've been doing it for months now. Mm. But Lauren, we've got a really good topic this week. Yes. And this was one of your ideas, your your pitches. I'm excited about it. It was. Uh, and I decided this week we needed to um, focus in on one location for sex. Mm-hmm. And that is the kitchen. Mm. You know, they say don't sleep where you eat, but sometimes <laughs> you you do. Sometimes you definitely gotta fuck where you cook, you know what I'm saying? Fuck where you cook. See, I knew, <laughs> I knew if I had just launched an absolute stinker that you <laughs> would be able to turn it into a beautiful diamond. <laughs> that was generous. thank you yeah so i i don't know if you had noticed this but there there are like a fair number of options when it comes to tv and movie sex scenes in the kitchen and i don't know about you but i have never gotten even remotely sexified in a kitchen no i've certainly kissed in a kitchen Mm -hmm. but uh there's not a lot of sexy feeling to be had especially if your kitchen like mine is where the trash can is because <laughs> then I find that I'm just too focused on like how my kitchen smells it usually smells of food and a little bit like trash Lauren doesn't turn me on not what? not for nothing but you gotta take yeah. the trash out more often <laughs> I don't believe you I think <laughs> I'm doing fine and I have no problems yeah well Maybe you'd get laid in the kitchen like all these super sexy fake TV and film people if your kitchen didn't smell like trash. 
Uh, putting that out there. Agree to disagree, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, it's interesting. We bring up the topic of trash. I say having brought it up <laughs> because it does lead into uh, my my topic. Um, but yeah, I agree there. There is surprisingly more scenes than I expected. I don't really know why. Is it because sex in a bedroom just gets stale? I think there's um, something to it being a shorthand for spontaneity and uh, Mm. impatience, sort of not being able to wait, not being able to take your hands off each other long enough to say, should we go get horizontal on uh you know on a soft surface it's just like we we literally can't help ourselves and if we don't get going right this moment we'll both spontaneously combust i think is the idea of it typically well that's definitely true of the scene i brought for you so i think you're right on the money there and i believe i go first so you're first if you'd like, I could just dive into it and tell you a little bit about my scene. Please do. What did you bring for me this week? All right. So I have brought you a scene from the pilot. Well, I, I, I've immediately messed up because there were multiple pilots shot of this show. So <laughs> I will rephrase. I have brought you a scene from the first episode of the Showtime show Shameless. Ooh, I love Shameless. Yeah, it's it's called on Wikipedia, an American family comedy drama, <laughs> which I think is a little uh, a little bit of a positive spin on it. Uh, it's definitely a black comedy. It's it's very dark. Yes, it's a it's tragic comedy. <laughs> tragic comedy for sure. So uh, this show was developed by John Wells. It's an adaptation of a show in in the UK. Uh, so this is also like queer as folk, like something that was done in the UK and brought over by Showtime. <laughs> the original show was written by Paul Abbott and it was semi-autobiographical. Oof. And so, yeah, <laughs> I know that was hard to read. God bless him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so he is credited as an executive producer on the US show. But it is an ensemble show featuring a very dysfunctional family that is, quote unquote, led by patriarch William H. Macy, who plays Frank Gallagher. Oh, you're bringing me William H. Macy two weeks in a row. I know. I'm really I'm connecting all the dots. (laughs) The real head of the household is Fiona Gallagher, who is played by the beautiful, incomparable Emmy Rossum. I have loved her since The Phantom of the Opera. I would abandon any and all claim to straightness that I have for Emmy Rossum if she just like looked at me. She is so beautiful and it should be a crime. Mm-hmm. It should mm-hmm. be a crime. So the show... <laughs> <laughs> The show is set in the south side of Chicago, uh, and it deals with all of these sort of family dynamics of living in poverty and living with um, a large family. It's it's made up of, oh God, I, I've suddenly forgotten how many siblings there are. There's a lot of them. Wait, we can do this. 
We can, can do figure this. it out. Okay. We can figure it out. Okay. Fiona's There's Fiona. Lip. Lip. Uh, Ian. Ian. Liam. Liam's the baby. Carl. Debbie. Carl. Debbie. Is that it? Frank has that other daughter who shows up at some point mid-series. Oh. So you have you have the knowledge from having watched the show in its entirety, maybe? <laughs> uh, not in its entirety. It actually just finished its run this week. Oh. Wow. I didn't even know that. I'm so glad I'm talking to you about it. <laughs> this is another one where I think I saw season one, possibly season two, and then trailed off. Oh, uh, weak. Yeah. I know, I know. But uh, luckily, that's why I'm bringing you an, an excerpt from the first episode, because I can actually <laughs> talk about that without having to draw on knowledge of the future show. Hit me with it. I know exactly which scene we're talking about. <laughs> yes, you too. So the first episode, uh, for one thing, I just want to say it's a great example. It's a perfect. I keep wanting to say pilot. But again, there were several pilots shot of this show, so it's not fully accurate to call it that. But it's based on this very strong first episode script. And it perfectly sets up all the characters, their wants and desires, and the obstacles that they're facing. And it really does a great job of cementing the setting that they're in and also the dynamics between them. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that off the bat. I think it's a great example of a first episode setting up the entire premise. Good strong opening for Kevin V, especially. Don't we don't we open on him getting pegged? Isn't that how, isn't that how we meet Kevin V? <laughs> uh, no, it actually opens with um, a kind of block party esque scene where Frank is narrating and describing the inhabitants of this of this neighborhood and his family, and they're all like drinking and watching a fire. It's revealed that it's a car that's on fire. And the cops get called and break it up. Uh, but as he's introducing everybody, yes, there is a, a, a very short shot of, uh, of Kevin getting pegged by Veronica. Yeah. Good representation. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so we learned the dynamics of this Gallagher household in that all these kids are banded together and they are struggling to keep everyone on track in a way that will keep them out of child protective services. And their father does nothing to help. He is constantly out drinking and neglecting his family. And Fiona is the one who works three jobs and is making sure that everyone uh, is getting to school on time, <laughs> is wearing clean clothes mostly, and, and is watching the baby, baby Liam. She also kind of lets off steam a bit like, and kind of falls into these habits that she's learned from her father and, you know, drinking and smoking and, and having, you know, a, a good time with her neighbors. And uh, they go out to a club. And that is where we are introduced to this bad boy, Steve, who takes an interest in Fiona, tries to save her purse from being stolen. and just ends up punching a bouncer in the face. <laughs> this leads to a nice bonding moment where they take him back to the Gallagher house and patch him up. It's sort of 
coming out that like, oh, Steve's had a Steve's had a bit of a crush on Fiona. He's he says that he's he's seen her before. Uh, so there's something there. But Fiona is kind of pushing him off a little bit, being a little bit, you know, flirty, but also like she's clearly surrounded by these responsibilities. And that's a big tension between them. Um, that's the main crux, really, of the episode. Like, there's not so much background I can give you because it is the first episode. And the scene that I'm talking about is in the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So there's not too much else I can say about it beforehand. Yeah, no, it's just a good sort of um, establishing moment for Fiona. You kind of see the two sides of her as, you know, sort of like the caretaker of the family and doing the chores and getting the kids to school. And then also this Mm -hmm. sort of slightly self-destructive party girl, which I wouldn't necessarily lump in, you know, having sex with that necessarily, but it's by nature of the fact that Mm -hmm. she met him in a club and it's a one night stand and her purse gets snatched and he gets beat up. It's all, it's a little train wrecky in nature. (laughs) They flirt with the idea that Fiona is a bit attracted to danger and Mm -hmm. this kind of like destructive, lifestyle basically that's the main setup there's a subplot going on there's multiple subplots going on but really for our purposes that's all you really need to know so should we get into the scene itself let's do it (laughs) yeah um this is a, a beautiful example of exactly what we talked about just the immediacy and urgency of needing to fuck right now Yeah, Uh, which is funny because that doesn't at first seem to be his intention. So so let me let me get into this. So for one thing, the the scene is between Emmy Rossum's Fiona and James Chatwin's Steve. They have a little bit of banter, you know, something, something like, uh, would you have looked at me twice? Who said I looked at you twice and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then he pulls her into this kiss that's very... Uh, sudden and dramatic and it's accentuated by the fact that she drops the trash that she was collecting <laughs> from the kitchen which is something I'm going to talk about because I love that but she drops the these things that fall and clatter to the floor and gives in to this really sexy kiss She's, she pulls back and she says we can't which he then turns off the lights and gives this little monologue about <laughs> words and pairs and how we're young, we're healthy, we shouldn't let things stop us like we can't or she won't or whatever. It's a, it's a pretty beautiful, like tight, medium close up with them in silhouette and she's listening raptly. And then something changes down below where we can't see uh, because he says, tell me to stop and I'll stop as she gasps. And they are in this really long, hot tension where they're almost kissing and they're but they're not yet and then finally she puts her hand on his neck and pulls him in and and they are really kissing and then there's a cutback to uh, a little bit further a uh, medium the mood is changing as Fiona is trying to like really give in to it and move things along and Steve stops her and whispers slower slower she you know, smiles and she kisses him again and things seem to heat up pretty quickly again. And he stops again and goes, no, 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 slower, slower. Which is then immediately thrown out the window because the next cut (laughs) is to them slamming into the kitchen counter 
and Steve lifting her onto the sink. And they're scrambling, they're scrambling to get her panties off. And they're knocking, you know, dishes and, and glassware around. You know, things are falling to the floor as they are, you know, fumbling with each other against the, the kitchen sink. What's interesting for me is that you get the sense that Fiona's hesitation to hook up with him is that there's a house full of kids that she needs yeah. to be taken care of. And she she's just like, oh, we can. And she kind of glances to the side as as though to say, mm-hmm. we can't because of all of this. Um, and then they proceed to have the loudest, most destructive, yes. messy, <laughs> irresponsible, <laughs> disruptive sex that they could possibly have in this household full of children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, things are clattering, things are break. like, uh, surely they're breaking something. It's ridiculous. I just want to be like, Fiona, girl, it would have been less disruptive to just go quietly 69 in the bedroom. Nobody would have known. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I mean, you're right. Uh, It's ridiculous. Okay. So when the moment of penetration comes... (laughs) He's got his pants down, like, and his butt hanging out. It's good butt. And then he he kind of, like, fumbles with himself. And, and there's a gasp as he penetrates her. And there's a really nice camera movement that comes at this time, too. I know I'm getting into a lot of the camera positions, but I kept noticing it. Where it's, like, a, a subtle push-in as she gasps, which suddenly makes the scene more intimate. Mm-hmm. But then... They're building up a rhythm, you know, they can see that there's, they're moving together. And then she kind of like pushes him back and they topple onto the floor. And then from the floor, there's these great shots of like her high heels are still on and they're just like feet are, are scrambling to kind of like, you know, str- struggling to, to get purchased to like have any sort of leverage. Mm-hmm. He's like sitting up with his back against the counter and she's, riding him pretty yeah frantically (laughs) yeah and the editing in in addition to their uh their speed picking up the editing is matching this you know there's shots of them fucking intercut with things around them falling fiona at one point pulls out a kitchen drawer and is using that for support while steve is is getting her her breasts out and starts kissing on her breasts and, and sucking them so good so good she accidentally slams his fingers in the shaking cabinet and he comically starts saying, ow, 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 right as she's saying, almost, almost. <laughs> and they're working together at this frantic pace. You can see him, ri- you can see her riding him and they're interrupted by a knock on the door. <laughs> the realities of Fiona's life come crashing in and the scene ends. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good stuff to unpack there. A lot of stuff. Yes. You've already given some of your initial thoughts, but I want to hear more. Yeah, I, I also love that shot when, she, when he first penetrates her and she gasps because it's almost like the camera moves in a little bit, but it also just kind of like swerves. It's almost like the camera person gasped too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> That's yeah. how it seems to me is that everybody in the room was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember my overwhelming thought the first time I saw this was, oh no, they're raw dogging. No, girl, no. <laughs> Which of course yeah. happens all the time in 
all movie and time. TV sex all the time and I should be immune to it, but I'm not. And every single time, especially when it's sort of like a one night stand, don't know you situation every single time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <gasps> no. <gasps> yeah. But there are a lot of things I like here. Um, Fiona is really young. She's supposed to be what, like 20, 21 when this show starts. She's so young and yeah. she's clearly very in control of the situation, very aware of her own needs, very much a person willing to just climb on top of a dude and get herself off <laughs> on mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. regardless of how much pain she's putting him through, which, you know, more power to her. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So there's there's a lot of agency in this that I like. But yeah, no, there's there's a, lo- a lot to like about this scene. It is very sexy. And as much as you can hear... Steve giving this this monologue right at the beginning and you're like okay that's a line and I think you're supposed to feel that way at first and then by the end of it you're like oh no that works that would have worked okay he won me over too (laughs) yeah exactly and that's clearly the journey she goes on exactly that's exactly what I was gonna say you go right on that journey with Fiona of being a little standoffish a little who's as I looked at you to like okay (laughs) I would have done it too. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like some big romantic thing. It is a little bit cheesy, but it works. Mm -hmm. It works. One thing I like about this is that in addition to being so sexy, it also does feel like they are real people. And I mean that they're surrounded by Fiona's home, which is full of trash and debris. There's like, notes on the fridge there's like you know so many uh, dirty dishes etc crumbs on the floor crumbs on Mm -hmm. the floor yes everything is very lived in this is not a pristine beautiful you know setup this is an interlude in someone's life steve kind of comes in a little bit like a fantasy man (laughs) like you know to to be like oh i've i've and I've been secretly, you know, attracted to you for so long and you don't know it and blah, blah, blah. But like, even though he's kind of this weird fantasy man, there's so much realness in Fiona that really grounds the scene. I don't know if that made any sense. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the role he plays until you learn more about him later in the season. He shows up as this guy who is like Fiona's escape from what the rest of her life is. He shows up, he treats her kindly he buys her things he he i think Mm -hmm. he buys the family a new washing machine like i think that might be in this first first episode episode. yeah when she's like frantic but can't afford to like buy a new washing machine for the family because and it's all falling down around her this guy who she just met who's very into her who treats her kindly is like i got it and gets her a new washing machine and it's like such an insane relief to this person who has to work so many jobs and is just in a constant state of, oh my God, how are we going to get through this? He steps in to be mm-hmm. that relief. And this is kind of just that, the intro to that situation. Yeah. I, I mean, as far as that relationship plays out, you know, like I, I don't really want to get into <laughs> the highs and lows of their relationship, but as a one night stand that then becomes something else, like it's, a really strong romantic start. It's got a, they've got a lot of chemistry clearly in this scene. Yeah. 
they absolutely do. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about the the debris and the messiness and the lived-inness of the house, but can we talk about what specifically hits the kitchen floor when he kisses what? her? Hot dogs. Specifically, wieners hit the floor. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god. Not well, not for nothing. <laughs> Me thinks there's a little bit of symbolism there. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, I didn't write it. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Hot dogs and buns hit that floor and then they fuck on the floor, that's all. Oh my god. Well, we should really quickly talk about how hot Emmy Rossum is again cuz she's also got yeah, like she's, she's also got like freakishly perfect boobs. And, and I was not, just thinking about her boobs. Not in like a fake porn star way. She's just like, are you real? You're so pretty. I hate you. And you have perfect boobs. Go fuck yourself. I know. <laughs> I was just thinking about her tits. So uh, I watched a few interviews with Emmy Rossum uh, about nudity on the show. And she is constantly asked, oh, what's it like to show your boobs on TV? Blah, 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 blah. And she explained that that's her least favorite question. <laughs> she hates being asked about nudity. And she had this great line that I think is amazing. I think it's so boring. And like, who cares? Every time anyone asks about nudity, like, who cares? There's so much more important things about the show than the fact I show my boobs. <laughs> like, yeah, she's become, I think, not known for the fact that she's really comfortable with the nudity on that show. but. uh she just is comfortable with the nudity and she's a really great actress. She is. She's a phenomenal dramatic actress. And so it's a shame that she's also so fucking attractive. I know. <laughs> I know. God, save some for the rest of us, Emmy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a bit of background on, on specifically how they shot this scene because I was looking into a bunch of these interviews with Emmy Rossum. And she talks about how comfortable she was with a Justin Chatwin. Did I say that right? Because I'm so afraid of saying it wrong. Yes. J James Chatwin? No, it was Justin. I don't know. <laughs> Justin Justin Chatwin. If I said James, I was wrong. Take, take the line again. <laughs> she talks about how comfortable she was because she actually has this really great friendship with her co-star Justin Chatwin in this scene. Uh, because they had previously been on a film called Dragon Ball Evolution together, <laughs> which was a major flop. But uh, they, they had this great relationship because they had worked together before. And she's talking about how comfortable she feels working with him for these sex scenes. And she says, um, actually, I remember for our pilot, Justin said that he wanted to fill his sock with sand, as in his cock sock, you know. <laughs> So it would hold everything down just in case anything happened. <laughs> she says, so we did have a lot of fun and we laugh a lot and we don't take anything too seriously. But I thought that was really interesting. He wanted to pour sand in his cock sock so that it would stay down. I think yeah. anything happened. I would pop a boner if I had to do a sex scene with anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> so it's hard to... 
it's hard to blame him. Yeah. It's interesting that they were both like, yeah, whatever. That might just be Emmy's life. It might just be like, men cannot come within 10 feet of me without <laughs> popping a boner. <laughs> so she might just be used to it. <laughs> so let's break it down with our very special scale that we do, our rating system. And that is, of course, the stop scale that is for a soundtrack. Time, authenticity, heat, and production value, and soundtrack, uh, it doesn't have one. So you're really just left with the natural sound of things clattering, things falling, they're grunting and gasping, which honestly I like. I like it. I like that it's just bare bones, no soundtrack. It really adds to the intensity and the realness, the idea that this is a real insight into someone's life yeah absolutely it's good just a lot of panting and smacking into things and it does exaggerate how irresponsible it is to be making that much noise in a kitchen in a house full of kids in the middle of the night (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) um i think i'm gonna give this a modest three interestingly In the UK version of this scene, they do have a bit of a soundtrack. uh, And I'm going to keep comparing it to the UK version a little bit later. But I think it it is an interesting choice. They went just not sound on this version. So time. Well, one thing we should say, I guess this counts as an interruptus. So we see the scene from the buildup, the foreplay, the kissing to the penetration and then fucking and she almost comes but they get interrupted Mm -hmm. so in that sense i don't know i mean you see you see the fullness of this scene for it's like what is it three minutes i think it's a good ratio honestly i think his monologue goes on a little bit long but it works because it's about wooing her in and making her come around so I don't think you could have rushed through that. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm inclined to give it maybe a four for time. I think it's not perfect because it is pretty fast, but I like that you see it throughout. Yeah. I don't think there's anything to complain about, really. You know, he needs to convince her. And so they spend a little time in the monologue doing that. And it's all in that really nice silhouette kind of sexy and he's getting closer to her and he's talking close to her and you know whatever so you get enough build up again that you're not just sort of like (laughs) wincing in horror (laughs) when he penetrates her which you sometimes are in these scenes because you at least get a little uh you get a little intellectual or emotional foreplay if not physical (laughs) Um, well and i think this leads into authenticity I think there is the hint that he's touching her through her underwear in that during that monologue where he says, tell me to stop because she kind of gasps. I think there's it is implied that he might be touching her through her underwear. It's something to me. I thought I heard a zipper sound like he was undoing his own pants or something, but I wasn't Mm -hmm. I wasn't exactly sure. And I think it's supposed to be ambiguous. Um, It is supposed to leave you sitting there imagining what this sexy man might possibly be doing to her. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get that great note of authentic consent 
of that tell me to stop mm-hmm. and I'll stop, which is sexy yeah. in a way that in a way that assholes claim stopping to ask for consent or whatever isn't sexy and ruins the mood. This is the perfect example of why that's absolutely not true. I agree. It's very <laughs> sexy. Is it authentic now is the next question, though. So we're going to keep we're going to keep that in mind. Uh, authentic. Could you fuck on such a dirty floor? I mean, yes. <sighs> I'll just say it. Yes. Meaning I, you'd enjoy it or you'd be capable of it. <laughs> oh, I, I both. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, listen, I if someone were to fuck me in my kitchen right now, it would be about the same level. <laughs> I need to clean my kitchen is what I'm saying. <laughs> so I like I, and I think that leads to the authenticity of this is, again, a, a real person's life and not a, you know, set. So authentic. I don't uh, I want to say a four again. I don't know. All that noise, all that destruction, all those hot dogs on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Is it authentic that no one heard them? No, but I can imagine like Lip and and Ian being like, oh God, in their rooms, you know? (laughs) So like, she's being very irresponsible. Doesn't mean mean it's not something you would do. She's making an irresponsible choice and that's authentic to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's fair. (laughs) I heat. Heat, heat, heat. Uh, I like it. It's sexy. I am so attracted to Emmy Rossum that my like kind of attraction to uh, Justin Chatwin is like completely ignored. He's <laughs> got a good. He's he's. It looks good. He like he's fine. But Emmy Rossum's there, and how can you care about anything else? I know. Somehow, even in that bad dress and worse shoes, she's just mm-hmm. so beautiful. It's impossible to not be so gorgeous panting after the both of them just because they're connected. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do find it very hot and I really appreciate. I guess this is going into production value because I really appreciate the way that the framing gives you so much to look at. It's not a series of intimate close ups, you know? You are just seeing these hot people fuck. And it's very good for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of um, doesn't let you forget the chaos of the situation. It, it, the chaos mm-hmm. is sort of, you know, a very important part of what's happening. And so by keeping the shot a little on the wider side, they remind you in every second that this is a very chaotic moment. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, I want to give it a five. Is that because I, I don't have anything to say negative about it in terms of heat. I think it's so hot. Yeah, it's very hot. All right. It's a five. And production value. Now, the interesting thing is I looked at the same scene from the UK version and that was made in uh, 2000. And I actually kind of like the look of how they did the scene in the UK version more than I like the way they did it here. And I'll explain. <laughs> Just like you're giving a lecture, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
Well, I mean, I we? say that for two reasons. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Keep talking. (laughs) So in the UK version of this scene, it's more well lit for one thing. So you get more visual detail. And that's a pet peeve that I have in a lot of, let's say, American contemporary television and film is that people love to shoot so dark. My Mm -hmm. God. And in the UK version, they actually intercut his monologue with shots of James McAvoy taking off his belt. So maybe you are right that that is what's happening. Wait a second. Yeah. I okay. don't think I, I may knew buried- James McAvoy was in the British okay. version. <laughs> I may have buried the lead there. I can see. Okay. <laughs> you absolutely buried the lead. Go back. Go back and talk slower. <laughs> So in the UK version of the show, it stars Anne-Marie Duff as Fiona and James McAvoy as Steve. It is essentially the same show, except about a British working class family. It's really word for word, at least the pilot, the same. Really? Yeah. Why do you think they had to do so many of the US pilot? Did they switch up the casting a lot? They did. They switched up the casting at least once. So yeah, they had the British version that was done in 2000 and then was picked up a a few years later for more seasons. They were trying as early, I think, as the early 2000s to get it made in the US. And at first it was maybe going to be HBO. It, It went through a lot of development. Gotcha. But yeah, the UK version, young James McAvoy. Well, no wonder you liked it. (laughs) Well, yeah, but also with Anne-Marie Duff, who was his wife for a time. Interesting. But yeah, so in the UK version of this scene, there's shots of him taking off his belt and she puts her hand in his pants. And uh, there's this very tight close up of Fiona's face when he's talking to her. That is then broken as she literally surges into this kiss. And it's a very decisive move of like, yes, we're doing this. (laughs) Uh, The literal production value is less because of the amount of money they had and the year it was made. You know, this was made, you know, 10 years before the Showtime one would air. But I really do like the choices more almost. I love a tight close up on someone's face as you see them decide something. You know, Mm -hmm. I like the more visual details and I do like the shots of him taking off his belt as he's talking. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that does always come across as like a like a confidence thing. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily know how to describe it, but it's kind of like I have the confidence to be seducing you and undressing at the same time. Like, I'm so sure that this is going to go my way that I'm undressing while I still put the work in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But I mentioned a lot of interesting camera work. I think the camera work and the framing is really good in this scene, uh, the Showtime version. I would want something maybe that's in the middle of the two of these, the UK and the US version. So I might be more conservative and give it a three for production value. Even though it's got so much money and it's beautiful and it's clearly 
you know, the set has had so much work put into it in recreating this, this family environment. Yeah, but you know what a five looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is good. There's nothing wrong with this, but it's not outstanding either. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad you agree. Yeah. It's a good introduction to how sexual the show is going to be. That's for sure. And also how sexual that particular relationship is going to be and Fiona as a character. Yeah. So that's that's the scene. That's lovely. Thank you for bringing it to me. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Lauren, I brought you some real A-list shit this week. Really? I brought you Love and Other Drugs. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, of course. Which is a 2010 American romantic dramedy directed by Edward Zwick and is starring Anne Hathaway and Jake Gyllenhaal. Anne Hathaway... This is an interesting aside. I know I'm I'm derailing you immediately. Do it. Anne Hathaway and Emmy Rossum are kind of intertwined. They both uh, were up for Phantom of the Opera and Emmy Rossum got it. Annie got Les Mis though, so Emmy Rossum can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> so in Love and Other Drugs, Jake plays this guy named Jamie Randall who's a schmoozing salesman, med school dropout, womanizer type. Then he works as a pharmaceutical rep at Pfizer in the late 90s, just before they launch Viagra into the world. (laughs) Anne plays Maggie Murdoch, who is a 26-year-old with early onset Parkinson's, who works in a coffee shop and she does the Bernie Sanders thing and she takes busloads of old people across the border to Canada for cheap prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. And these two characters are pretty similar in their emotional constipation that they share. Jamie's a complete playboy asshole. He's just too charming for his own good. Um, and Maggie is kind of self-loathing because of the potential burden of this degenerative disease that she has. Um, she doesn't want to allow anyone to get close to her because of it. So the way these two meet is pretty horrifying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jamie is all over this one hospital all the time, trying to convince doctors to listen to him pitch uh, the drug that he's trying to sell to them, which at this particular time is Zoloft. Oh, my God. He um, basically bribes a doctor into um, letting him observe him for a day and basically just follow him around pitching Zoloft. And the doctor lets him and he takes him into an exam room uh, with him when Maggie has an appointment. and. During this appointment, she pops one of her boobs out of her top for an exam because she's got a spot on it, which the doctor promptly Mm -hmm. tells her is a spider bite. And Mm -hmm. Jake is just standing in the corner of the room pretending to be an intern. Oh, my God. And this is a heinous invasion of privacy. It's horrifically unethical um, and it's not really funny, but they play it off for laughs. So just feel the need to put that out there. It's horrible. But very shortly thereafter... Maggie spots Jamie out in the parking lot, packing up his pharmaceutical rep stuff into the trunk of his car, and she beats the shit out of him with a briefcase, which is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, good. So he tries to win her over with a charming apology, uh, and she doesn't bite. Instead, she takes his picture and tells him to eat shit and die, and she walks away flipping him off, which is pretty good as as far as meat uglies go. It's a good one. 
Nice. Yes. So off to a horrible start, but um, Jamie feels pretty bad about it and also has clearly decided she's hot. So he manipulates the receptionist at the doctor's office into giving him Maggie's phone number, which is again so, so unethical. (laughs) I would never, ever want to be a patient at this hospital. I would never want to be a patient at this hospital. But, um, it works. She gives it to him because he was also sleeping with the receptionist. Jesus then, Christ, this is getting worse and worse. It's worse. It's terrible. It's terrible. He's a really, he's a total asshole. <sighs> but he calls her and convinces her to have coffee with him <laughs> somehow. And it's kind of, it's, so, I, well, I think what happens and it's not, uh, it's subtextual more than anything else, but I think what they're implying is that she sees through his bullshit and what she sees is an opportunity to use him for her own needs also. She's just like, oh, this one okay. is willing and would be an easy target for me to sleep with. Like okay. very, very shortly into this little coffee date that they have, he's still kind of being apologetic and trying to win her over. And she's just like, come on, dude, let's not do this. Don't ask me about my major in college and what my parents like, no, we're not going to do this. You want to close, right? You want to get laid? Like, let's skip the bullshit and just go fuck. <laughs> oh, right. So they do. <laughs> um, yeah. So they, they basically start having a really sexy kind of casual, no strings relationship. They click in that way. They've, they've, they've both got issues, but they've got really hot chemistry. Mm-hmm. So the scene I've brought for you is the first time they fuck. Um, and it comes pretty, pretty quickly in the movie. It's about 28, 29 minutes in. So before the half hour mark, and I'm going to send you a couple of shady porn links or maybe just one. I don't Woo-hoo! know. <laughs> wow. Okay. So as you can see, the scene is super short and frenetic. Mm-hmm. Um, we go straight mm-hmm. from that moment in the coffee shop where she's like, can we just cut the bullshit? And you know, get to the point, uh, and they come bursting into her kitchen, already open mouth kissing and trying to get out of their clothes. They knock things over and they leave keys hanging out of the door. And right away, he pushes up behind her and pins her against the counter in front of the sink, which is really hot. And you can hear the dishes rattle, which adds to the intensity of what's happening. He lifts her skirt and tears her tights down. Mm -hmm. She turns back and they have a hot, sloppy kiss. And he's being rough with her, but sexy, confident, decisive rough, not scary rough. Then she reaches back and she gets her hands into his pants. And he throws a hand into her panties and starts rubbing her pussy and like running up against her ass. Hathaway is really vocal in this scene. There's a lot of panting and a lot of moaning. And it sounds like she's getting off, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then like that, we jump to them laying in a heap on the kitchen floor, half dressed because they're done. <laughs> yeah, it it looks as if there's a there's a strange cut where that after after they're fucking against the sink, he sort of turns her and it looks as if they're going to keep going. And then it cuts to them on the floor and he's lost his shirt in that time, which is, I think, an interesting way of being like, this is a very quick scene, but they might be fucking for longer. Yes, there's an implied time jump because of the slight wardrobe change. Yeah. 
so when we get to them panting on the floor, he's on top of her. Um, like they just finished. She's got one leg propped up all sexy like with a tall boot on, but she doesn't have the other boot on. (laughs) And then really quickly, she starts joking about him running for the hills. She says, I know what you're thinking. Should I stay for five minutes or 10? And where did I throw my pager? That's what she says to him. Uh, And he makes her laugh by playing into her expectations for a second. He says, I'm not thinking that. It's under the table. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he actually tries to stay and um, spend more time with her. So she kicks him out. She pushes him right off of her and says, you need to go. And you get a good shot of Gyllenhaal's butt, which is hanging out of his pants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's still pulling his pants up over his ass when she (laughs) reaches out to shake his hand goodbye. So you get this funny (laughs) moment where he's leaning forward to shake with one hand and holding his pants up with the other. Yeah. And she just stays sprawled out on the kitchen floor like a total fox. Anne Hathaway has never been sexier than she is in this movie. Yeah, she's really hot. That boot and that, like, plaid top she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne Hathaway does not play a lot of overtly sexual characters, and this is a really sexual character. Yeah. And she does it well. She pulls it off in a way that you wouldn't expect out of somebody who's a little more demure. But yeah, they spend a lot of time in this movie just laying around naked, looking gorgeous together. (sighs) This is this is good. This is a good scene. It, again, is capturing the same feeling that I think we've we've encountered with kitchen sex, which is the idea that it's so frantic and it's messy and chaotic and it's not supposed to be that pretty, you know, sprawled out on a satin sheet type sex. It's supposed to be rocking the cabinets and, (laughs) you know, spilling things on the floor and it really works. Yeah. Um, You don't see the build into that energy the way you do with Uh, with Shameless because they're just already there. They are Mm -hmm. at an 11 coming through the door. Yeah. And and they stay at an 11 until that cut for them just being like pancaked on the floor together done. Yeah. So I I think it's effective in the way that they do that. I agree. I mean, one thing we should talk about is is another example of clit stimulation. Mm -hmm. It's the stimulus check. The stimulus check. Oh my God. And it's very, it reminds me, if you can remember all the way back to Body Heat, our first episode, mm-hmm. uh, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of the the grabbing the pussy and 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 that kind of like, oh, sexy energy of, of having that over the shoulder kiss, over the, oh, like turning the neck and over the shoulder kiss. So attractive. And I feel like I've, it's something I've never done. I've never kissed someone with my neck craned at that <laughs> angle. I don't think. So I have. It looks Ooh. sexier than it feels. That definitely does not surprise me. <laughs> it's it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it looks great on screen because you get the beautiful neck you know, stretched out and someone's jawline really popping. But uh, no, it it looks uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, one interesting thing that I learned when I, I did a little dive into interviews for this movie when they were on their their press junket and they got asked a lot about the sex and the nudity in this movie. I'm sure. And they they both played it off a lot of like, well, it serves the story and you got to do what serves the story. And that's the intention of it. But Anne and Jake had final cut on the nudity in this movie. They did not pre-negotiate how much there would be. And for all that it could have gone way over the top, they decided to just trust Zwick. And Anne said that she only asked him to cut out about four seconds of a shot that she thought lingered too Mm. long. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, for people who may not know, that sort of thing is all pre-negotiated and contracted out ahead of time between agents and managers and lawyers and, you know, directors and producers and all that stuff. Like, it's all agreed upon. Like, you'll show boobs, but not butt or butt, but not boobs or one boob, but only in silhouette or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. really, really detailed agreements. Yeah. And they didn't do that. Huh. That implies so much trust and so much creative collaboration. It does. Uh, And there was one other really interesting moment that struck me. It made me think that Anne Hathaway must have been pretty sheltered in her career. Mm. And having not been in any like exploitative or uncomfortable situations, because there was a moment where they were asking Jake how specifically choreographed the scenes were. And they said, well, you know, to a certain extent, they say you're going to do this and then you're going to come here and then we're going to do that. But it's not like, okay, in this moment, grab this and then do this and then do that. And Jake said, but, you know, I have been on movies where that's absolutely the case, where this second you grab this and the second you touch that and it's all that specific. And Anne goes, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Is that emasculating? <laughs> what? <laughs> as though as though the, the manly instincts of what you do when you're making love to a woman need to be more important than the choreography of a movie what? scene. And I was like, Annie, no, honey. <laughs> no, that's so bizarre. Isn't that funny? It it just so weird. I was like, oh, she's been very lucky in her life that she's never been put in an awkward situation where she can laugh and say, oh, that must be emasculating because she's only ever worked with a super professional, super respectful guy like Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I mean, I was trying to think of any other sexy movies I remembered Anne Hathaway from. Uh, Isn't there one Anne Hathaway film? She's like a, a young teenager and she gets involved with like a gangster group. Is that Anne Hathaway? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Give me a second. What kind of young gangster group? <laughs> Shut up. I'm finding it. <laughs> yes. Okay. I was correct. Anne Hathaway. The only other sexy film I know her from was Havoc where uh, she's a young party girl who gets mixed up with some drug dealers. Okay. I've never seen that one. I I think it can't quite be sexual um, to the extent that this one is, because they did make such a point of what a departure this is for Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think if she's having multiple sex scenes and the entire crux of her character is on this sort of like, yeah, 
her sexuality is a big part of the character in this one. Yeah, definitely. Because she uses it to avoid getting emotionally close with people. She just has sex with them instead. Ah, uh, been there, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, it's it's a quick little scene, but it it's got something to say. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it too. I think it's really sexy. So why don't we stop and break it down a little bit? Yes, please. Going one through five on soundtrack. Just like Shameless, there is no soundtrack. We get a lot mm-hmm. of panting and moaning and kind of ambient noise, pots and pans crashing around them in their little sex tornado. Um, I, I think it works for the scene. I'd give it a three, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, no additions to the Fuck Jams playlist this week. That's sad. Yeah. That's like several weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Our Fuck Jams well, playlist is know. suffering. <laughs> there, there'll be something. We, we'll, we'll, we'll try and beef it up a little bit. No, I think a three is, is fair. I think a three is a nice metric for something where the soundtrack either isn't there and the nat sound is really good or is there but not too distracting. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then moving on to the time, it's really short. It's only about mm-hmm. 90 seconds if you count kind of <laughs> the talking at the end um, mm. because Jake's butt, butt is out. I'll count that part. <laughs> But they do a lot with that time. I think it's effective use of time. They give us just enough action to earn, you know, a real R rating. But they don't make us watch Mm -hmm. them pound it out like animals on the kitchen floor, you know, which I don't think would have been that sexy. Mm -hmm. They give us just a taste, which I like. So I think it's a four. Yeah, it's definitely frenetic. And that is is told through the timing, the pacing, the editing, all of that. It, it really heightens the, like you said, they're at 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the authenticity, that's a little lower for me. I gave it a two. Uh, like, I don't know, the frantic energy of it all isn't something I've ever experienced. Uh, and I don't think mm-hmm. any amount of sexual attraction would make me chill about like knocking shit over in my kitchen. <laughs> mm-hmm. That just seems unnecessary. But I love the foreplay. Again, you get that stimulus check. We love to see yeah. somebody actually fucking touching a clit, which is great. And um, it does. They do play it off as though she's actually getting off, which is great. Yeah. But I cannot imagine wanting to bone on a hardwood floor. It just seems like such a good way to <laughs> tear up your knees or like throw out your back or... Get some uh, dust on the ass of your pants, or I don't fucking know. I, it just, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been so frantic that I've uh, had sex on a couch instead of my, instead of going to the bedroom. So I, I understand that. That is a passable alternative, if you ask me. Yes, I think that's a good example of like, you know, you're still somewhere kind of comfortable. You're still not in the bedroom. So it is a little sexy. Ooh, Yeah, no, it's I uh, agree. I think fucking against kitchen sink. It's the specifically kitchen sink part is, I think, what would get me down. (laughs) I do kind of like that it. It's a nod to the like everything but the kitchen sink kind of <laughs> energy, <laughs> the chaos of it all. 
<laughs> yeah. Maybe that's just in my mind, but the fact that they always go for the sink because it's the noisiest and the most chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can really uh, hear a lot of rattling. Yeah. The heat, I gave a five. I think this is so mm-hmm. hot. These two have smoke and hot chemistry and they really pull off a convincing performance when it comes to how intensely these characters are attracted to each other. And I think it's a testament to what good actors they are and the fact that they didn't just like luck into this good chemistry or something because they clearly don't have this kind of chemistry in Brokeback Mountain and for good reason. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because as you will recall, they play a married couple in Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I, I do recall. I was trying to think, because uh, I know they have worked together. I, I was wondering if there was any other things that they've done together. It, it feels like it, it feels like they're friends. Yeah. I don't know. I believe that. They seem like it. Yeah. Um, very much through the press junket. She was kind of hanging off his arm and leaning on his shoulder as though they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to be weird. I'd say like their brother and sister, but it's probably... More more accurate than anything else in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they in person, they seem comfortable with each other. And I think you're right. As actors, I think they're giving a great performance here. Really, really great. I think the specific thing that's so hot about this to me is Anne Hathaway's open mouth. Uh-huh. That she's just gasping and panting for air and can't even close her jaw. She just needs like, that's really sexy. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot of very sexy things about it. (laughs) I really, I really like those, uh, those open mouth kisses that like barely connect, which you get one coming through the door and then you get one when he's behind her and just kind of like, you know, even though they can't quite kiss, they still like feel the need to be trying to kiss, which speaks to, intimacy and connection rather than just like horniness you know absolutely yeah i think it's very hot i'm not even that like bummed out that it's it's just a few scenes uh, a few seconds i mean yeah i i think it's it's great yeah and to to that point it does what it needs to do because there are a bunch of sex scenes in this movie and they spend a lot of time connecting that way and being nude or whatever. So um, it's one of many. It's just the the opener to what an explosive connection they have. Uh, and I think it does that really well. Yeah. So in terms of the production value, I have some thoughts. Um, I don't think it's okay. great production value. I would give it a two. I think to a certain extent, it's pretty basic. The apartment itself looks so much like a soundstage it's <laughs> calculated ramshackle state it's like almost cheesy um but there are like big industrial windows behind them that lend a sense of a lot of natural light and it looks nice but it all looks really fake mm-hmm. and the camera work is good the camera moves a lot just like they do to help perpetuate that frenetic energy and they use a lot of quick cuts in the editing that kind of does the same thing But Mm -hmm. as you pointed out before, there are two cuts that I think are kind of bad. They're weird choices. There's one where he's up behind her and he um, he reaches up and he grabs her boobs and then it cuts away and his hand is like going into her panties or something. And it's like not Mm. it's like not quite right for me. Yeah, it's it's like I needed a little more transition or something. Um, And then that next one where 
right? He's getting her off. He's got his hand in her panties and then he turns her and they're still like mid turn. And we get that like smash cut to them on the floor, which I like the smash cut, but the point at which they do it is a little strange for me. I think they could have smash cut from where they were to the floor and it would have sat a little better with me. I agree. I think the editing is probably deliberately jarring, but it can be done more effectively than it is being done here, I think. I think it's it's not so much about like I mean, it's not like we're we're looking for continuity. Or perhaps I should say we're not necessarily so focused on like physical continuity, but there should be an emotional continuity throughout the scene. Yeah, it, it almost lacks a little bit of like visual logic or something. Yeah. And I do notice, I did know this is, I feel so nitpicky. So, the, you know, the, the shot where you get the, uh, the, the hand uh, down her panties, mm-hmm. that's the only shot from that angle. I mean, there's some shots of the close up, but they're much more profile. That's oh. the only one that's a little more like head on. Like they didn't get balanced coverage of it or something. I don't know. It, or kind of like they, they knew that they needed to show the hand going into the panties. And so they just kind of were like, oh, okay, wait, hang on. Let's <laughs> rearrange the camera. And, and well, like, you know, and they had to get it from like a, a different angle and at a different positioning. And so because it is so visually out of touch with the rest of it, it does seem a little bit out of sorts. And yet it's a real point of uh, her, her getting hers, which we love to see. Yeah. So maybe not the most artful choice, but... I'm glad they did it. Yeah. It's, I think, a great example of how getting these these scenes done is always a balancing act of like, it made it so much hotter and made the timing work so much better that they were frenetic, that they had this crazy editing, that they had these close-ups on, you know, her face and then her the hand in her pussy. And like, it works for that. But then when you get to thinking about sort of the artistry of the scene and the craft of the scene, you know, where you excel in one area, <laughs> you may not excel in the other one. Yeah. I think I, uh, I'd sacrifice perfect production value for a little clit stimulation. How about you? <laughs> I agree completely. I agree completely. That's why I felt even weird bringing it up. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. But that's why we're here to talk about it. Exactly. Someone's got to. So, Lauren, we had a we had a super scientific survey this week. Sure did. We sure did. Um, Okay, so our super scientific survey, which we hit on two fronts. I'll talk about what we got on Instagram, I guess. Okay, go for it. We uh, we posed the question. What's the best non bedroom room? In the house to have sex. And I got one response. Nice. (laughs) Allow me to allow me to hit you with this. Bathroom or living room? Maybe a study if you're fancy. Anyone who says kitchen (laughs) is a damn fool. No. (laughs) Oh no. You've been obliterated. Absolutely destroyed. Oh no. <laughs> well, I, I, all right. Uh, 
would you get on your side, Lauren? <laughs> uh, responses. I I actually on on the uh, I don't know what should the <laughs> private one that is only for a VIP clientele. <laughs> we got six responses. Two people said living room, and we have the. Uh, oh, we have the added opinions that couches create the best workable soft angles. And someone else says uh, couches and usually carpeting. <laughs> Although I would say carpeting is a double-edged sword. Rug burn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone just specifically says the couch. So couches, again, like my previous sexual experience will attest to, couches are much more common than fucking in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. We've got someone who says the bathroom, <laughs> someone who just says balcony, which where are you living, dude? Ooh. Like, what are, what are you doing? We've got someone who wants to be spotted. All right. Um, and then one response that says kitchen, hmm. because there are many surfaces at the correct height for bending over or sitting on. Interesting. Someone is team kitchen. I like that. We've got one team kitchen. I got one um, response via text message that said, mm. this one's tough for a woman in a studio. And I just thought, oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> relatable. Who has room outside the bedroom to fuck in this economy? <laughs> in this economy? <sighs> yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> I'm sitting pretty in my classic six New York apartment. Go fuck yourself with your rent control <laughs> on a dildo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I will. Uh, uh, well, this was great fun. Kate. <laughs> that, uh, that, that brings us to another. another shut up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the outro. <sighs> So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. I'm so glad we could bring you the real controversial topics, you know, <laughs> the, the real hard hitting questions. <laughs> um, this should be even more motivating for you to follow us on Instagram. We are at let's get it on film. Uh, we're also on Twitter. We have a website that's just let's get it on film.com where we post the episodes and we also post the videos when we can find them but please be careful they are not safe for work not at all <laughs> the, the, we've mentioned the fuck jams playlist which you can find on spotify uh, that is a, a fun evolving playlist of the, <laughs> the songs that we mention and it will evolve i promise and uh, and you can email us. We want to hear from you. So send us a message at info at let's get it on film.com. Tell us what you're watching. Tell us what we should be watching. Tell us if you've got an episode idea. If you think we're terrible at this and you've got some constructive criticism. <laughs> be nice about it, though. Make it constructive. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe write to us with that or maybe keep it to yourself. I don't or, really or make it, know if I need to hear Make it. it brutally mean and we'll establish some kind of virtual BDSM relationship. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, I think we've done everything we need to do. <laughs> Just one last thing to say. 
One last thing to say. You you first, my dear. Keep it pervy. Keep it pervy. Mm. <laughs> oh, that was so fun. Ooh. From the society he is bent upon destroying. Look at his face. It is the face of a smut monger. <laughs>